Welcome to the Persuasion Lab Podcast. I'm Martin Diros, expert negotiator. Unfortunately, the world isn't made to your specifications in all ways at all times, which means you need to be able to communicate your wants and needs so you can get them met. I'm here to teach you the tools and strategies so that you can do exactly that. Stay tuned after the episode for more information about the fully outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab or head over to thepersuasionlab.com to get started. Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast, The Persuasion Lab, and we're doing the lightning round, which is your Q&As. First of all, I want to say thank you to all those listeners who gave us questions and my answers are lightning fast. They're going to be quick. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of staging, strategies, tactics, operations. Thepersuasionlab.com has all that stuff. But for these questions and for the purposes of the lightning round, we're just going to get questions, answer them as quick as we can. And to be the quiz master today <laughs> is Dr. Catherine Hoffman. Catherine, how are you doing? Hi, Martin. I'm good. Good. All right. Far away. All right, so we have about five questions today. All right. Um, the first one is a really uh, charged one. It's a question that I think that you get a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should I should say before I ask it, we're going to link to related episodes in the show notes as mm-hmm. well as to the persuasionlab.com so folks can dive in more um, and get more in-depth information if they're wanting it. But this number one question is... How do you initiate or raise the question of getting a raise? All right. Well, uh, short term, if it's just at the moment you, you've you done your prep work, you've pre-suaded, I recommend Cialdini's book, Presuasion, for that. Um, you walk into the room or to the uh, person and you basically say, is now a good time? And if they say yes then you can proceed with your ask and the way you do that is you basically talk about what you bring to the organization and how they benefit what's in it for your boss it's not about how awesome you are because no doubt you would be awesome you may be killing it in the sales uh, department you may be really saving money if you're in procurement Uh, you may be just killing it but this actually is not about you. It's about what does my boss need to be more effective at their job and how can I take them there with this increased salary responsibility or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's the lightning round for that question. Any other follow-ups on that? Yeah, I think it can be really helpful just before you walk into a room or before you knock on that door or get on that Zoom call to maybe jot down some things like, hey, if I had this responsibility, I could fill this gap. So to always be looking for, and you said this, but just to say it a different way, like seeing where the holes are in the organization and how you can start to plug those holes and even starting to plug those holes before you ask. So you can say, hey, I saw this happening and I fixed it. So I'm worth the extra money. Right. And uh, when I was uh, working for a Fortune 500 company, we had weekly meetings with my staff and we were negotiating about 60 deals a month and I would always know 
what the status of each contract was, where we were, how much we were saving from the opening bid, and when my boss called me in, I could give him that report, and that's that was my performance, and when I asked for that raise, it was a no-brainer. If I could show him I saved $20 million, it's like, okay. Sure. Um, yeah, or that promotion. It was uh, kind of a an easier task having laid the groundwork. Mm-hmm. So having recorded what value you bring to that organization makes it very easy. And you have to document it. You have to track it. You can't just say, hey, I'm a warm body. I've been here for six months, a year, 18 months. Pay me more. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to get you a raise. Yeah. And then the second part of this question is, is negotiation the second step? And I think you've pretty clearly illustrated that technically negotiation is the second step of like the actual ask. And you're doing a lot of groundwork laying and a lot of persuasion. Right. In other words, you want to, you know, think past the close, assume the close, persuade, set the conditions, set the psychological, emotional conditions ready for that. So if you can stage the interaction to Mm -hmm. the extent you can, um, that is advisable. So what's an example of staging? For example, uh, unrelated, but I'm in a restaurant. Uh, there is the most expensive item is a French uh, dish. Then I will play French music to get my patrons in the mood to think of those high-end deals. So they'll be in the French mood, and so they'll order, you know, order that uh, coco vin or the souffle or whatever <laughs> is the uh, um, mm-hmm. top uh, uh, chart on your your. Uh, menu so and you do this in the business context by um little things like uh things that have to do with your boss's success or what's on his mind for example if your organization is um underwriting a golf uh tournament you may want to put signals there if your boss is like was charged with organizing it or something so there's so you have like golf things seem so so it it fits to what they're thinking uh, what they're needing. Uh, you know, if you can make their lives easy, uh, then they're more likely to accept what, what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the recipro- reciprocity, for example. Oh, I need someone at, you know, the 18th hole to hand out, you know, bottles of water or something, and you jump into that. Well, that makes his life easier. It makes him more acceptable. It kind of um, creates that reciprocity attention, which is actually one of the themes of Geraldini's first book, influence all right all right so clearly there's a ton of stuff wrapped up in there and it gets really complicated it it is so complicated you know late i'm trying to really condense all this lightning round stuff to like incredibly energetic like a little plutonium ball but it's really hard so we'll just reiterate um we are going to link to other episodes on this topic that we've done in the show notes all right Catherine, what's our next question the next question is, can I ask for a performance review even though it's not time? And if so, how do I go about doing that? Absolutely. Um, you asked for a performance review. It's a great question. Thanks for submitting it um, by asking. Uh, you Usually you get them six months and in the interview um, podcast we talk about, hey, before the interview, ask for when that performance review is doing. I think it's perfectly appropriate to ask for monthly or three month or whatever, hey, how am I doing? Getting feedback because this makes their walk away from giving you a negative 
performance review at that six-month mark more difficult. If at week one they say you're great, at month one they say you're great, at, you know, and then you're creating this love of your performance, and you have to have the chops to do it. I mean, you can't just never show up to work um, <laughs> and expect a good review. But if you're if you're cutting it, so the the thing about negotiation, influence, and persuasion is humans are emotional you may have all the data you may have all the how great you were but if you do not reach them on an emotional level and familiarity they are not going to agree to that ultimate performance review that you want to be positive so these interim ones just ask for it and uh keep that momentum going consistently ask for it at certain intervals to big up to Build up your credibility in a relationship. Mm-hmm. How am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the next one is, the next question, when is the best time of the day or week to engage in a negotiation? Great question. Morning is when people are best, especially if they were fed. Uh, we talk about the parole board studies. Glucose levels determine our agreeability, according to some studies. Whereas if you're hungry, uh, do not, uh, if you're distracted, if you're fatigued, bad times, don't ask for a raise at five Mm o'clock. Ask at nine o'clock after breakfast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, usually just as a practical matter, uh, I I don't know any studies on this, but me personally, uh, Monday is a busy day, get a lot of stuff done. Tuesday, Wednesday seem to be better days when you cleared that initial, mm-hmm. you know, ballast of work off your desk, <laughs> and then you get over the hump, and then you kind of uh, people are a little bit more relaxed, less stress, more rested. Yeah, and Thursday, Friday, people are kind of focused. Yeah, to and, the next week and the weekend. And you're gonna have to judge it. For mm-hmm. for example, if you were, if you and your boss were doing an all nighter to get some big proposal out the door, and it was due like Wednesday night. You know, you probably don't want to ask on Thursday morning. Yeah. So you have to use your judgment. For sure. Um, I always recommend to folks like 10 a.m. Because that's, like, if you're doing a 9 to 5, you're in the office, you're settled in, like, everybody's sort of... Yeah. Process some emails. Get some stuff off, you know, finish your donut. It's not like 11.30 and you're starving or anything like that. Yep. Awesome. So the next one is, how do you increase confidence? Because a lot of folks don't want to do these things. They don't want to bring up the question of a raise or they don't want to ask for a performance review because they feel really insecure and they're afraid that in the asking, like, that's right. it's not going to go well for them. So how do you boost that confidence so you can stand up tall and make the ask? Yeah. Well, I, I think you just said it. <clears throat> stand up tall. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about <laughs> some studies that were bad studies and disproven. And I hate to say it, but... Dr. Cuddy, Harvard, the the runaway success TED Talk about the power pose. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no science behind that. You know, the, the, the claim was that this increases like testosterone or some, some type of positive image in you. Um, and it had a physiological impact. There, there is no physiological impact. But there may be a psychological impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're... Great positive self-talk, you know, standing shoulders back, standing tall, all that stuff. How you walk into the room confidently really determines your the perception of you 
and it helps you. If you're depressed, if you're in a bad mood, but you really need that review, that promotion, that raise, if you smile, Mm -hmm. that actually, and this is validated studies, the neurochemistry will be aligned and and the the um uh doctor what's the happy neurotransmitter in your brain well there are a bunch but serotonin serotonin yeah that's what i was going for so when you smile you actually produce the right biochemistry in your brain because the biofeedback of your smiling muscles actually helps you get into a better mindset now that's Science that I know, those studies have been replicated. If you smile, if you act like you're happy, you actually trick your brain to being happy. Uh, so that way you can get into a positive mood, hold yourself high. You know, the power pose akimbo, not so much. But if it helps you, if you have to go into the men's room <laughs> or the ladies' room mm-hmm. and tell what a marvelous bastard you are, as in the Donaghy, <laughs> the uh, 30 Rock episode where he was... Uh, yeah, the joke was he had his mic on. And he was at this you know motivational speak for you know the Six Sigma or something, and his mic was on, and he was yelling at himself, "You mar- marvelous bad- bastard!" in the men's room to himself to psych him up. Uh, psychologically, that actually does work, and that mm-hmm. does increase performance. The physiological power pose akimbo per se, not so much. Yeah, can I add something? Yeah. I think also a lot of folks only start thinking about this when it comes time for that moment when it's like, oh, shoot, I really want to ask for a raise. How do I do this? And then they start thinking about this more. And the more the more you do this work when you're not in a place where you like need it, where you're not in a place where you need to be able to hold your head up high and walk into a room and say, this is my case. I deserve this. Here's why. Here's all the evidence, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then you'll be practiced. So when you do need it, you'll already have it. Right. Right. So with your family practicing this or like if you're even at the grocery store, how are you walking? Where is your like what's your posture like? What is your thought process like? Um, And engaging in that kind of work when it's not critical is going to give you a really strong foundation so that when it is critical, you'll be able to fall back on it because it'll be a habit. Right. You'll already be in that state as a baseline. Right. And and that that's, you know, posture, taking up more physical space, expanding your body. Not like, you know, you know, arms raised above your head or anything wild, but but that is more formidable than, you know, curling your shoulders in, your head down, what they call turtling behavior. Uh, if you go to the persuasionlab.com, um, these are these are postures that do not help you get what you want or be perceived as someone who has that that confidence that, yeah, I'm going to trust you mm-hmm. with this race. I'm going to give you more money because you are confident and you're a good bet. Mm-hmm. If you're dowdy, that will be hard for me to mm-hmm. think about. Yeah. And we do have a couple episodes on appearance, right. jewelry, like all kinds of different things that go into this, like outer ability to portray a confident right. facade. And, and there are exceptions, you know, in, sure. in certain uh, creative uh, areas, uh artist music stuff the, these rules are are not solid i'm doing more uh research on kind of that there are some different rules for those in mm-hmm. the high-end you know high art creative in um areas sure yeah definitely industry matters 
So, are you ready for our last question? Yes. Let's do the lightning round. <laughs> we're, we're bookending this with like the biggest questions that I think that you get. The last one is, how do you decrease your fear of a perceived conflict? Well, um, a perceived conflict. conflict uh, well, is it real? Is a conflict real? And of course... When you're at a large family gathering, always talk about religion, sex, and politics because nobody has an opinion about those things. Mm -hmm. And everyone feels comfortable talking about those things. Now, that's a joke. Um, basically, the, that's a you game. That's a you problem. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I've seen a lot of trouble in my time and most of it never happened. Now, yes, paranoia is a survival technique but you have got to really dial it down until you have objective evidence that something is so and even if you say this is happening why is it so mm -hmm. let's give an example um, someone may be acting a certain way and you may think it has to do with you they may have just had an argument with their significant other. It has nothing to do with you. It has anything to do with the substance of your negotiation. It has nothing to do with you. So, yes, you observed it. Something that is so objectively, they may be mad. They may be irritated. They may uh, have another trait. But you have to ask, why is this so? And, well, if they're in a certain mental state, it may not be the right time to engage them in a persuasive, influential, or negotiated dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's great. I think a lot of people, well, everybody has a different negotiation style, and we all have different tolerance to um, to interpersonal friction and like different ideas and being able to handle differences of opinion and really being able to lay our case out and do that effectively. Um, yeah, I just think what you said is really yeah. sharp. And you can you can soften some things by the techniques we talk about, uh, you know, mirroring, mm -hmm. subtle mirroring their physical behavior. They cross their legs, you cross them. They put one hand on the other, you put your hand on the other. This is not to like chimp or um, mock them, but very subtle, very slow mirroring. Uh, in the physical, if you're face-to-face, -face, or even if you're on a, a, a virtual call, this can really help um, put people at ease. Because when you look and act and behave different, it kind of destabilizes that very intimate face-to-face -face or camera-to-screen time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You can also mirror verbally. Yes. So repeating the last three words that someone says as a question. Um, so what you're saying is when you repeat something verbally as a question, that's a way to verbally mirror. Is that true, Dr. Hoffman? Yes. <laughs> um, God, if you could only see the look. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing that I would offer is that, Martin, you do a lot of work on this and helping folks retool their mindset before they even approach negotiation and understanding that negotiation isn't about fighting it's not about you know wrestling somebody to the ground and making them see your way and like pushing them and like 
taking what's yours. It's much more about let's be in a relationship. Let's have a conversation about this. Let's see how we can both have our needs met. Maybe that's not possible, but maybe it is. Right. I, I, I think that's absolutely accurate. So we communicate and have communicated all our entire existence through, you know, since we started walking on two feet mm-hmm. about persuading, influence, negotiating. That's communication. Mm-hmm. You don't know it, but you are persuading and influencing 24-7. People think, oh, this is a negotiation. Um, and, you know, when I do workshops, it's, um, it, it's funny the way people say, oh, I see what you're doing. This is a negotiation. They kind of um, settle themselves in their seat, you know, ready for <laughs> combat. Whereas the truth is you're negotiating all the, all along. Mm-hmm. I started negotiating with that it, those people in that workshop when I stepped into that room. Mm-hmm. Everything I do, I try to do and act as I want them. And I actually give points to people who figure out my tolls or, oh, you're doing this. It's great if they, I, I have a reading list for them and uh, before they go to the workshop and I like them to read it. You know, some do. And, uh, but it's great that the smarty in the class is like, you just did that. And, you know, it's, I, uh, and they get little door prizes, little, mm-hmm. little performance um, gifts uh, if they, they figure out what I'm doing. So it's really, um, you know, rich. This form of communication is rich, and you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of it if you have a significant other. If you've ever had a significant other, maybe you don't have one now, but if you've ever had one, you have persuaded and influenced and negotiated. If you ever bought a house, certainly. If you've ever bought a car. If you've ever been to college. If you've ever gone to school and been upset about a grade and t- engaged someone on that level. And, uh, you know, as we say, and little digression, but you can accept life as it's handed to you by the world. Or you can create your life, your future, by your design. And that is baked into the system, the civilization that Homo sapiens have built is, yeah, we want to hear back from you. We want you to model a future of your design as an individual because you have the agency, you have the power. And it's, you know, I, I love reading ancient history and civilizations and it is all there. This whole thing on the earth, it's about individual agency. That's what moves things. That's what I got. Awesome. That's a great place to stop. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for our premier lightning round (laughs) questions. Uh, Keep sending those questions. So you can email us directly. Um, We get a lot of them on social, and we get some uh, from the website and the newsletter feedback. So keep the questions coming, and we'll try to do this periodically. Thanks for joining us in the Persuasion Lab, and thank you, Dr. Hoffman. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe and leave a review and a rating so other folks can find the podcast. And, of course, 
the fully outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab is open and ready for all your negotiation experiments. If you head over to thepersuasionlab.com, you'll find tools like strategic plan assessments, deal point checklists, operational considerations, scripts for specific types of negotiations, and access to exclusive personal consultations. The tools and databases are updated monthly, if not weekly, so there's always something new to learn and try. Remember, we communicate our needs to the world using persuasion, influence, and negotiation, and how effective we are at using those techniques determines if, in fact, our needs are met. This is Martin Medeiros in the Persuasion Lab. Thank you for joining us.